Good evening, Jim. Well, good evening, David. Um, this <laughs> this is uh, this is we're meeting under really odd circumstances. Uh, obviously, we this are. is a normal episode night. I'm sure you've been seeing the flurry of social media stuff that's been going on, uh, at least on YouTube and that kind of thing in the last two days. Um, yeah, the, we're gonna have to cut, put this one out without uh, worrying about uh, editing it. We're just gonna have to. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fly by the seat of our pants on this one because this one needs to come out in a reasonable yep. time frame w- with regards to what's going on. So, as you can no doubt tell, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, to the left of us, you can see our titles for the night. Uh, the title of the episode are is "Are Two Vamps Doomed?" and right. um, we're going to get into that. We want to do our what's new and stuff first, but yep. uh, just know that, you know, we're going to cover that in it. And it's full legitimacy of all the information that we've probably heard in the last two days since the announcement went out from EHX. So, um, all right. So I got a what's new. I'll start because I know yep. you're what's, okay. I know your what's new is quick. Yes, mine is very quick. So my neck arrived. Uh, this is my wing. Oh, nice. This That's is wing. Wenge neck for the new strat. Uh, mm-hmm. Stainless steel frets. I got a nine uh, and a half to fourteen inch radius on it. Jeez, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting playing guitar because this is a Gibson scale neck. So yeah, Gibson scale yeah. conversion neck for my Fender Strat. Uh, <coughs> it's going on a white body with a white pig guard. Yep. It's yep. not really That's white anymore. Nice. It's like cream colored. But um, yeah. you know, I held it up to it and I was like, Ugh. but I think it's the pick guard. I think once I get a, an actual white pick guard on it, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna pop a little more and it'll yep. look cool. But I actually I'm not really concerned about what it looks like. I bought it for stability. I bought, it, I bought it for tone. And for those of you who don't like me saying that, screw you. Um, that's right. <laughs> and uh, that's right. I, it's gonna make me want to play it better. I've never had a wing yeah. neck. I've had a couple in my hands over the years. This is actually really wild to actually finally own one that like is going on a guitar. I kind of went back and forth on whether I wanted to do it because I know wing is it's kind of a controversial wood choice because it's so hard. It's actually toxic. So if you were to yeah. sand this, it's irritating on your skin. Um, yeah. And of course, it's unfinished. I'm like, you can't see it when I hold it up to the camera, but there are divots in this neck that nice. look like that look like cracks. I can tell you right now, that looks gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, the, the figure gorgeous. is amazing, but um, I just can't <laughs> wait to put that on a put that on thumbs up to Warmoth on that one. Yeah, well, Warmoth. So Warmoth always puts together excellent looking pieces um and and i have a feeling that's going to be no different i have i do know somebody who's had a warped warm off neck before um but it happens with everything i mean it's a piece of wood right um so there's only so much you can do to prevent that uh anyway that's my what's new um there may be more more what's news incoming oh actually i do have (laughs) another one tomorrow or tuesday i will be receiving receiving a celestian neo cream back um, oh, yeah. that's going to go in one of my Lone Star cabs and then the C90 that's in it's going to go out uh, to pay for it but but mostly because I don't need the C90 if I've already got a uh, cream bag and the other reason was just yeah. to have a different speaker option for different venues but also just, just to have something different to, to right. you know like experiment right so um, yep. don't know if you'll like them unless you have one um, yep. And I think it's a cool choice because they're they're super light, and the speaker's like four yep. pounds. It's just oh nice ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. Jim, Jim, show us your what's new. 
Yep. Okay. So my what's new is relatively boring, but I want to talk about why it's important. So I bought these. Uh, my buddy uh, uh, Robert Jackson hooked me up um, with some pricing, got me uh, five sets of these. And I'll tell you why it's important to me, because these little guys right here have become my favorite pick. Right. But I can't find them locally for nothing. We make and shortages. No, no. And so they're the Altex uh, John Petrucci threes. Um, I get the feeling that these are the prime tone. These are going to go where I mean, they have another one. But I get the feeling that what's happening is these are going to go um, to where they're just like a. Not a John Petrucci model anymore. Um, well, they already have. Anyway. Pri- they already make prime tones. Right, right. That's so. what I mean. And one point three eight millimeter thick. I thought his that. was the shape. I thought there was something about the jazz There's shape. About the shape. The, right, the shape that I like about this one. And I play. I have one of these. One, and I've been beating the crap out of it, so I had to get some more. So obviously, I bought a lot more. Um. So, yeah. I mean. We, we're talking shortages. I think it's important to to get to the meat of what we're about to discuss. Uh, if you're ready. Yeah, I mean, um, so I want to start off. I want to talk about Sino. Um, so if you don't know, Sino, what's the, the second? Shigawang? Shigawang? I, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. the second name. Um, but, yeah. but Sino, right, which is the Chinese tube factory, um, they went – they had a fire, and I think it was early, early 2021. That's um, right. That was – my understanding is near the, uh, the factory and actually impacted – caused some damage to the structure, which had them yep. closed down, and that they had had that repaired – and that they are waiting on the Chinese government to sign off and approve them starting to, to manufacture stuff there. Now, it's now 2022 and this hasn't happened yet, which right. leads us to and they believe, are not online, which leads us to believe that they may not ever come back online. And I, yep. I, I really strongly believe that that's probably not going to happen. There's uh, rumors that somebody bought the equipment there and was producing um, hi-fi tubes somewhere. I don't know if any of that's true. You can dig. You can dig on the internet. You can you can look and find out about tubes in China, and you're going to find all this information that I that I'm sharing here um, in various form entries. Because what happens in China stays in China. They don't they don't talk about that kind of stuff. Because you're not just buying from a Chinese company. You're also buying from the Chinese government, which that's is right. um, something I think is a little hard for people to wrap their head around. Um, yep. So. All right. Now we get back to the other the the other side of what's going on right now. If you didn't know, um, the seven major tube brands that you can purchase today outside of JJ and Sino um, were all produced at the I think it's the former Reflector factory, but it is now New Sensor in Russia. Um, as you know, there is civil unrest in Ukraine caused by an invasion by the by the Russians. You can call it whatever you want. It's an invasion. Um, They put they put military stuff on the ground and are actively waging war in the country. That is an invasion, not a military action, an invasion. Let's be very clear. Um, Now, politics aside. Right. Um, I don't care how you perceive that situation. Obviously, we have an international audience. I'm I'm sure there are people that have differing opinions. Um, Politics aside on that. This this creates a, a serious economic hurdle for us in the United States and likely in other regions of the world where Russia just basically banned the export of tubes. 
And, and I think part of that. So I, I first off, I, I've seen people actually already having a discussion about why would Russia ban the export of tubes? Number one, it is something that will hurt us somewhat. Number two, very little, mind you. Uh, num- number two, because guitar players are small piece of the overall picture and really 12x7 606s el34s that's basically us right there's not anybody else using these things anymore it's us and studios um so what we have to keep our mind on is things like the new tube or no the the nano tube rather that that thomas blue was exporting and installing in his equipment which is you know, out of the the cockpit of a Soviet MiG. I mean, right. uh, he told us that. Um, yeah. So yeah, we talked. That's a Russian surplus tube, and they're having a war, and they still rely on tube technology. Now, something that was kind of shocking to me. So, so I've been armchair following this war a little bit, and mostly because of my historical interests. But like, I'm I'm actually having to separate from that because I I'm having a lot of anxiety issues dealing with the fact that we basically have a war, a real war going on in this world right now, like a real war, not like not like, you know, um, some fascist dictator trying to take over a country and just basically going and committing genocide, but a real war where people are like pitched battle and everybody could get involved before this is all over with um, kind of thing. And it's starting to affect us, right? Like we're starting to see that obviously everybody knows the gas prices are jumping and all that stuff. Um, there, there are long, longstanding ramifications, of this. but it was sort of shocking to me. I'm watching the armchair side of this war in the first day. And they started talking about the Russian tanks that were coming over the border. And they're all like tanks from the eighties. And it's like, what happened to all the stuff they parade around red square? Because because well, they, they do their big they do their big military parades with all these brand new vehicles they don't they don't have any of that stuff that's it's it's just pomp and circumstance for the televisions because because they're still running T eighties and T sixties I mean well so. you got to remember that that when it comes to and I don't want to go uh, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole right 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 when it comes to showing things off and this has been the case in America too that. Uh, sometimes they'll show off um, stuff that rolls, but it doesn't exactly work yet. I mean, and that's that's the that's the point of the problem. That's the bigger problem. Well, we but we have uh, we have a, we have our own problems in our country. We had an amphibious assault vehicle actually submerge because it was not well maintained and kill yeah. Marines. That was uh, yeah. a case that was decided in the courts, military courts this week. Um, so I I, I am uh, watching. Uh, you know, working for the military and working uh, with the military and, mm-hmm. and obviously a lot of friends that are vets and, and uh, some of them that are active duty. Um, this is a this is something that hits home every single day and uh, that we're watching with bated breath. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go any further than than that. Sure. All I, mean, I can say is that that, uh, you know, we're I, not- I just hope that. That that cooler heads prevail and that things you know work out. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll anyway. keep our eyes and ears peeled. But you know, and that's the thing, folks. We don't want anybody to think that we're sitting here going, "Oh my God, guitar tubes! That's that's just crazy." You know? No, we understand. There's a large scale humanitarian those... issue here right, that, that right. we have to pay attention to, and and that there are bigger right. bigger things at play than guitar. Right. But that, that's but... not what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. But those things do exist, 
and we, you know, we're not going to attack them or address them uh, directly or indirectly because, to be honest with you, that's something that that is for, you know, historians and uh, uh, people much bigger than us. Um, and much more intelligent and, and well, at least I don't know about some of them, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with with uh, their hands on the pulse of things, hopefully. Um, so th- the thing is, and we're, 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 I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about the history and then you can you can talk about the most recent history. About what's going on. <laughs> so um, the transistor came into life in 1947, 1948, somewhere in there. And so we're talking late 40s. We're talking, was that, 80 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, or, or no, my mother's 70 plus years ago, almost 80 years. And the originals oh. and the original trans or transistors were not powerful enough to be used in audio applications. That's essentially what the deal was. <clears throat> right. So it wasn't until the 60s, 70s that the transistor really started to get into the homes um, that... <laughs> You know, the way we see them now, it was where they were miniaturizing things. It was miniaturized. It was then cheap enough to produce them. They now had they had now had enough power. They're cooler. I read Scholl said it best. He said transistors realistically are better than tubes in every single way. But I'm going to add to his comment. But one. And that is the one we rely on. We prefer the sound of vacuum tubes. The vast majority of guitar players prefers the sound of vacuum tubes. That's absolutely correct. So, um, so uh, go go a little bit forward. Um, Bass players used to use tube amps, and bass players have gone, uh, you know, to solid state. Keyboard players used tube amps. Keyboard players have gone solid state. You see where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. So we're the last fashion. We're the we're the ones holding on like this, except for the um, like Dave Grohl and a couple other people who have Neve, uh, you know, um, consoles, board, right? That are, that are using tubes on their inputs, um, but they're not using tubes. I mean, they're using tubes, but not to the extent that we are. And so in the in that world. There's not that many Neve consoles or whatever consoles that also use tube inputs. So they're not really like, oh, we need a ton of them. You know? Right, right. Probably, you know, 10,000 would do years of all the consoles that are out there that need them. Right. Where <laughs> and there's they don't probably 10,000 guitar same- players right now going, oh, shit, I have a tube amp that doesn't work. They ve- They very rarely... Right, they use the same tubes as what's in a what's in a guitar amplifier. They might use a right. you know one of the more less common ones like an EF eighty six or a twelve AT seven or yep. you know twelve AU seven or something right. like that. Or they may even be solid state rectified. And actually, um, I want to I want to I want to start before we even start talking about it going any further. This right now in the short term, the bigger concern is power amp tubes. Because preamp tubes last a lot longer. They're not a high, um, they're not a right. high stress application of a tube, um, yep. and so therefore, you know, your preamp tube could last five thousand years, five thousand. I mean, honestly, I see all the time 
deluxe reverbs from the 60s on reverb with the original preamp tubes. Yep. Um, and it's, I, I, I know people are like, well, it's new old stock, so it lasts longer. Listen, preamp tubes, if they're built right and they, and they pass quality muster, generally are going to last you the life of the amp. I had uh, I I had a Fender, uh, <clears throat> uh, what the heck was the name? It's not the, the Deville. Okay. I had Deville, and those tubes lasted. They were they were great from the time I bought it to the time I sold it, which was about fifteen years. The, they were great. They sounded now, great. Specifically, no, specifically no the specifically the preamp tubes, though, right? Yeah, very specific. I didn't push the, but that's just it, though. I was not pushing the power amp that hard. And, but we've got a lot of people that are using these amps that are like one watt, five watt, so on and so forth. They're, right. they're pushing those power a, amps a lot harder. Or anything that's purportedly A class is supposed to be right. running that tube full out the whole time. Right. Uh, um, and so those, so like, I'll share my uh, my little background. So all of the tube amps I've ever owned have been modern, right? I've owned a Classic 30. I'm just going to rattle off some of them. I, I'm sure I'm going to leave some out. Um, yep. Classic 30, Hot Rod Deluxe. I had a Rivera R30. Uh, yep. I got the Mesa Boogie Mark 525 and a Fillmore now. Um, yep. And a bunch of 5-watt tube amps, right? Uh, Epiphone Valve Jr., Vox AC4 TV, uh, and a couple others that are in there too. But... Um, they had the the Blackstar HT1R for a while, um, mm-hmm. and a Marshall Class Five. Yeah, I've owned a lot of little amps. Um, so, in those applications, many of those five watt amps are running a single tube, single ended yep. Class A, and I will say that in almost all of them, I replaced an EL84 or yeah, a six V six, depending on what it was running. Uh, at some point during that amplifier's life, um, yep. because those tubes just get worn out, right? Because they're run full right. on the whole time. Classic thirty. I did two sets. I had that amp for like four years. I did two sets of EL eighty fours in that guy. Four EL eighty fours. I was like, damn, how do people run tube amps? This is expensive. Well, of course, obviously, I was a younger kid at that time. Um, now I'm like. No big deal. You know, yeah. yeah. 75 bucks. Yeah, whatever. Um, well, now it's <laughs> in today's climate, it wouldn't be $75. But uh, no, no. Um, so the reason why I bring up the distinction between power amp and preamp tubes is because the, the prices are going to be different, too. And quite frankly, you're always probably going to be able to find 12 AX7s because somebody's going to have an amp that takes a shit that they don't repair. And you'll be able yep. to pick up their 12 AX7 for you know, right. Pennies on the dollar. Dimes. Yep. Um, and people still do go and hunt at auction and stuff. Tube amps that are broken, just to pull the tubes out. Of right. Them. That's um, right. So, uh, that's for the foreseeable future. Tubes are not going to dry up completely, but here's where, um, so if you've watched any of the social media coverage this weekend, we'll get into the nitty gritty of what's really going on now. So as of Friday, it was announced that Russia has decided that they're not going to export tubes. And so um, EHX issued a statement saying we will no longer be allowed to import tubes for the remainder of the year. We do not know when the operations will continue, if they continue. Right. Um, there's there's two major points that are in their press release. One, like you said, they don't know when they're going to continue or if they're going to continue. 
But the other thing, if you read it, they said it's been a struggle for a long time. It's been expensive and difficult for a long time. The legalities have been difficult for a long time. So therefore, <clears throat> I'm not so sure they want to get back in that business. I think Mike Matthews is making it really, really clear in his yeah. messaging that even if this sorts itself out, he will not be the guy that's the primary distributor for the United States, which is basically right. what happened. So we didn't get into that part of the history. So in right. the 1980s, tubes started to decline because transistors started to take over. Um, and that was more or less just because uh, tube manufacturing in the United States was ceasing to exist, right? Um, most of it was already done at that point. Uh, by the 1970s, yeah. really, tube companies were just selling new old stock stuff they had. And yeah. we're really not well, producing much. Yeah, a lot of the applications, when you get outside of the guitar, folks, (laughs) a lot of the applications for tubes were already moved outside the United States. Um, I think it was the 70s when I remember a teacher telling me, I'm pretty sure it was the mid-70s, that there were no more televisions built in the United States. Yeah. So that was one of your biggest tube users still at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to pull. Was, I used to pull tubes out of old televisions when I'd see them. Right, TV, TVs, cathode rays, those type of things were still using tubes. So now we've got what is left using tubes? Well, high power radio, which was already moved over to Asia, and um, guitar stuff. You know, music, music stuff. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Sorry. So in the eighties, right? Like companies like PV who were still making tube amps at the time, started to realize, oh, crap. You know, this is not becoming a viable possibility for inexpensive amps. By the end of the decade, there had been this massive shift towards towards even high-end solid-state amplification. Now, this has always been going on, right? So there's companies like Legend and even Vox Mm -hmm. dabbled with solid-state AC30s in the the 70s and 80s. Carvin, of course, had a line of solid-state amps that were highly sought after, um, or at least highly thought of at the time. Um, And uh, you could still find some of these amps, and they're kind of interesting. Like, the the Legend actually was one that that was endorsed by Billy Gibbons, of all people. And mm-hmm. he was uh, he used it on a record and like it was a whole thing, um, but um, you ever run into one of those cool amps? Check them out. But um, so we have the shift, right? And that was mostly caused by the fact people weren't sure where they were going to get tubes from anymore. So the right? boutique, the boutique thing starts taking off out of the vintage guitar stuff in the late eighties. And people start buying vintage amplifiers, and they start getting you know, the itch to find new production tubes. Well, the only countries that were still producing tubes at that time were really Russia and China. And the Russian tube factory, which I believe was called Reflector, now called New Sensor, actually went belly up. And because of Mike Matthews, who owns Electro Harmonics, because he'd already had relationships with business in Russia, he bought the factory because he knew musicians still needed it. And... It was a lucrative business opportunity. Let's not pretend that he did it as a service right, to right. the world. He did it because yeah, he's going to make money. Of his heart. <laughs> right. He's got to buy that. He's got to buy his weed somewhere. So right, right. He, and he needs that money somewhere. <laughs> weed and acid and whatever else he's doing. Yeah, he's um, – but he's, he, most of the time. <laughs> he's he's a fun, he's a funny guy. But anyway, I'm so I'm sure there was a long history of 
problems between him and the Russian mob. And also, oh, yeah. and also the KGP, which is now there I some sort of, I forget it's like secret police or something now. Um, it's not the KGB anymore. Um, and right. he paid people off. Let's just put it this way. The problem disappeared. Um, and it, it was almost, and, and the courts just suddenly flipped for him, uh, which yeah. suggests that he basically just greased palms to make it go away. Right. Uh, now, can I interject for just a second? Sure. So I, have a, I have a friend of mine I grew up with in high school. He lives in China now, and he's an import-export lawyer in China. Let's just say money talks, and we'll just go from there. Go ahead with your story. But speaking from personal experience, then someone who told me, you know, this is how he gets work done. It's all about who – who you grease the palms and of? How many and uh, how many that. suitcases of cash you could flow into That's the country? Right. Um, That's it. So now that new sensor is gone, because I because I'm just chalking up new sensors over, right? Yeah. The only <laughs> the only chance that we have of ever seeing tubes from new sensor again is that new sensor does business with a with an intermediary com- country that is neither yep. friend nor foe. To Russia, a Switzerland type thing, rebrands yeah. the tubes, and somehow we're buying them here in the states, which is going to be tremendous markup, right? Yeah. Um, and they'll be harder to find than JJ will be, mm-hmm. which is which is something I want to make very clear. Like we all know that there is still a tube factory that remains, but we're going to talk about why right. that's a non-issue in this, um, and and the serious ramifications on the on the industry itself at this time. So yeah. Sino's been gone since 2021. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, um, Mesa Boogie's supplies of tubes dried up a while ago. Um, My local dealer had a stash, and uh, between me and my friends, we've pretty much cleaned them out at this point. And um, I have tubes on order. I'm never going to see them. Like, I I, I honestly know that I'm never going to see them. That order is going to get canceled. This was going to happen. They're going to cancel it. Yep. I'm not going to cancel it. They're going to cancel it because um, yep. I will wait until they show up. Um, but I have I have some spares, but like I'm already sort of in the mindset that this is not sustainable behavior. And, and I know because, look, I'm not a vintage guy. I'm not going to hunt down tubes and pay $400 a tube. It's just that's just wildly insane, and that's actually what's happened to. If you want new old stock tubes, if you believe that the tube fairy sprinkle fairy dust on tubes because they're old, you're paying about four hundred bucks a tube right now. Um, I'm I'm looking at uh, tubes online right now at Amazon. One hundred and eighty five dollars for some of this. Stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it, one one. Uh, 6L6 groove tube 6L6 114 bucks uh another 6L6 S medium 185 well i mean so like people have said well tube amp depot hasn't got bigger prices and i laugh and i'm like did you look to see what they have in stock because they, they have, have nothing which is why they haven't no. updated their prices and when they will finally right. show up their prices will go through the roof because there's no point yeah. in them updating the prices until they know what the supply or the demand and the supply is going to be like that's exactly right and so and okay so one of the things that i do recommend people we don't normally tell people go watch red shell's videos but go watch red shell's video and uh one of the things that he noted in his video, I'm pretty sure it was his the video. The one scary fact, it, and I know exactly what you're going to say. Go for it. 
Am I? Uh, okay. Um, he said uh, that, you know, he was talking about the same thing we're talking about right now. The motor tubes, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to have them in stock or that they're actually going to go through with it, you know, get them. But more importantly, Fender has shut down half of their production. And of they're tube looking amplifiers. to shut down a quarter. They're going to go down to a quarter. Yeah. The, it, that, you're, you're talking about the single largest tube manufacturing company in the country. Is basically saying we can't produce amplifiers because we can't get parts. Period. Yep. Period. Yep. And 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 so I was trying to rationalize this to my wife, right? And and I know that this is like um she she gets it, right? She totally gets it. And I'm like Hold on to your fender tube amps, guys. That's all I'm gonna say. If you got and one, your marshals. hold them while and you got them. Hold them while you got them. Yep. Um yep. so We'll talk about Marshall too, because that's a whole other can of worms. Um, yep. But Fender, Fender saying this is scary because it's a big company, right? So, like, big company's going to do this first. Small company like Friedman or somebody like that, they're not so intimidated yet. But what that tells you is Fender can't buy large lots of tubes, large lots, right? right? So right. it's not about. I want to make this very clear. It's not about Fender being able to get any tubes because if they couldn't get any tubes, the custom shop would no longer take tube orders or anything like that. They wouldn't right. build tube amps. <laughs> That's the, right. The bigger issue at large is they can't get large lots. So, the, so right. singular tubes are probably available to manufacturers. Small lots um, are probably still available to companies. This is going to absolutely brutalize the industry over the next six months. You're going right. to see companies going belly up. Just just get ready for it because they're not going to be it. And on top of that, if you have an order in for a waitlisted amp, you might want to call yeah. and get your deposit back if you can. Yep. Because I, I can tell you right I can tell you right now with all of these companies and this climate we're in, if they are not sitting on a tremendous stock of tubes already, you're not seeing your amp. It's not going to happen because they don't. Who do you think is going to get priority? Big order from Fender. Or tiny order from Doctor Z. Um, I, I can tell you right now, this is this is this is how amazing this is right now, and the, and this price is only going to go up. I bought my Fender Blues Junior two years ago, right? About two years ago, um, I didn't even pay five hundred bucks for it. Okay, but you know, they're eight hundred dollars right now. So and that number is going to go up. The number is going to go up. That price increase was the inflationary price increase, That's right? right? Just from the normal inflation. They haven't had time to address the situation right. of shipping costs going up, tubes not being available. Can, that's right. If you can get an amplifier, if you've been on the fence about getting a tube amp that's in stock right now, I would buy it. Just get it? Honestly. If you, Honestly. If, well, so, so, so get it if you are yeah. committed to right. supplying it with tubes Despite the economic climate, remember that's that if you buy a Blues Junior at eight hundred dollars, you could be paying eight hundred dollars to retube that damn tubes. thing. For tubes, fifteen, yeah, ten, fifteen years down the road, or whatever, however long it lasts. Yeah, you. right, right, and 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 so it might be three, four years. And honestly, you might get to a point where you literally can't get tubes for it, and that's that right. is. But I, you know what? Somebody smart's going to do. Someone smart is going to come up with a. Solid state replacement for the tube. So it's been done. Um, yeah. 
it didn't go well. Was it the uh, so they have the yellow jackets, right, which are a tube converter. Um, right. Somebody was telling me a while back that in the 70s, somebody prototyped up like a replacement for an EL. It was probably not an EL-34. It's probably a 6L6. And yep. that like it was basically just transistorizing the amp the same way that you would buying a solid state amp, in which case yeah. it doesn't really make sense to use the existing hardware to, you know what I'm saying? Like at that point, you might as well just buy a solid state amp. Um, now, if they could do it cheaply and make it function like a tube amp, that's one thing. But I really don't think that's that's the reality here. We have the future right in front of us. We've had it and we've been talking about it on the show for five years and it's existed for 15 and it's digital amps. But but the real yeah. but the reality hasn't set in for these companies that they're going to have to dump every dime into that in order to get it off the ground finally, so that people can have the katana like experience. I, and I mean a digital amp knobs right on the front that is not identical but better than an existing yep. tube amp. Because in order to get people to adopt it, you can't just sell a copy. This is why if you go on Reverb right now, you'll find there's 15 or something uh, Tone Masters up for sale right now. Because even though the Tone Master has been a successful amp for them, people aren't keeping them. And I can find videos on YouTube right now of people doing comparisons and going, Tone Master's ass. Like, it's really bad. Um, so... It, it, I, I don't prescribe to that theory. I think that each thing has its place. I suspect that the firmware update that happened with Tone Master probably improved it significantly. Um, and I also suspect that some of that is just tube snob bias. But like, um, I really think that kind of thing is the future. Uh, it's not the Line 6 Catalyst with menu. Well, it doesn't have menus on it, but like with deep dive editing and that kind of thing, it's going to be an amp that looks like a freaking amp that uses digital stuff to produce the sounds out of it. Um, and maybe a voicing knob to go from Marshall Defender or something like that. It's going to be very, very simple. It's not going to be, here's your right. 128 effect parameters. And... Right. Um, granted, I mean, there's a time and a place for that kind of amp too, and it's not going to drab completely, but for the vast majority of people who are older who are still buying tube amps, that has to exist in order to get them out of tube amps. You know what's really funny? People that are in that mindset, I got to have something simple. I see them using solid state amps all the time, but I never see them touching anything digital because... It's like solid state's basically the same thing as a as a tube amp, except it doesn't sound the same. Um, and they sort of could wrap their head around that idea of it, right? But they but it's like a second you start talking about modulation effects and um, adjusting parameters and saving presets, they start right. No, nah, I ain't nope. Um, right. Well, you and I have both had the Kemper. We both owned a Helix. Um, uh, we have uh, both had katanas, okay. And um, I'm trying I really own, hard not to run, turn beat red here right now. It's okay. And I own a, ta- a tone master, um, <sighs> which you could call it a toast master, whatever. <laughs> toast maker. The ass master. Um, uh, yep, the ass master. Um, I have two <laughs> tube amps. I've got my Marshall uh, DSL, and I've got my um, what do you call it? So. And I have the Kemper and I have the 
the Tone Master, and I have the what do you call? I got to be honest with you. I'm fine with the Tone Master. I've used it. I've used it out. I've used it. I'm fine with it. Here's the thing that that I like about the Tone Master above even the katana, which I like. You know, I love the katana, and I I really like my Kemper. The the well, here's the pluses and minuses of everything, and then I want to go keep going forward with what we're talking about. What's the tube thing? Because we got to get to what Marshall is going. So here's here's the thing that I like. The Tone Master is nice and easy. I set it up just like any other tube amp. I plug my pedals into it just like any other tube amp, and I I play it just like any other tube amp. That's that's what I love about it. Okay, that's that. I mean, that's it. Now, I Kemper for the same reason. But I'm you. You've asked me this question. Why didn't you use Kemper at this point? At this point? At this point? And I'm like because I have a sound person that I can't trust. That's why. <laughs> At that point, at those points, and I can only use it when I have a sound person. I can, trust. yeah. I mean, uh, that was my gripe with and, it, too. Yep. And so, the and what's great about the katana simple setup, fire it up, play it on stages that are small, that are open mics. Katana's hard to beat, it's hard, hard to it's beat. It's light. You don't care if somebody spills a beer on it because it's gonna only gonna cost you 200 bucks, exactly. It's just something that I, I really enjoy. Now, I want to go to the to the um, last point, and then I'll let you take over. And so what do I like about my two tube amps? What I would like about any tube amp. That's, that's what I love about them. Now, here's, a, here's the – there's always a wave, right? When you, when you create a wave, there's going to be this wave. This is the, – the crest of the wave right now, we're reaching a crest of a wave, and that is that, that crest right now. Notice waves do this, right? The crest moves out. And right. it may get smaller as it moves out, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to move out. All right? This is what I want to say. You've got tubes, hard to get. Then tube amps, going to be hard to get. You, you wait six months, and it's going to be really hard to get a tube amp. It's already hard. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. And, and now, now, well, see... Tubes were already hard to get. That's what no, people but forgot. No, I mean, the amp, the amp, Jim, the amps are hard to get. We have, oh, a, yeah, we have a, a listener who's had a Mesa Boogie on order now for for over a year. I had one. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll. Talk. <laughs> I mean, but it's then, not. This is not. This is not new. This has been going on. I know. It's a result of what happened in 2020, still spiraling out of control. That's correct. And and those tubes didn't disappear overnight. It wasn't like it. No. Kind of like anything else. Those tubes did not disappear overnight. They've been disappearing for a while. It was just this rush of people, um, kind of like toilet paper. But anyway, now the next thing, the, the next wave is going to be the amps. But the next wave, this is what's going to be funny. This is what I'm going to laugh at. Because the next wave is going to be all these things that replace tube amps. Your katanas, your helixes, your kempers, your axifax, your those things are because they were the eh, I'm I'm too good for that. Now all of a sudden it's going to be oh shit! I need something, and uh, then it's going to be the thing that people I, need. I have been looking at one of those products all day. Yes, you have. Because Matter of fact, I'm going to look at one right now. Multi- <laughs> no, Jim multiple products one i told you about and another one that is significantly more money where i was like you know i've had everything else why not um 
And so this is this is my take on this, right? So like I absolutely do not want to give up my tube amps. No way in hell. I have had the Kemper, I've had the the Helix, I've had uh two katanas, I have yep. had um all manner of digital devices before that. I, I mean, my first big amp was a Flextone 3XL. I've had a Line 6 yep. Pod XT. I believe I had the Pod HD at some point. I know I've played around with one for an extended period of time. I even had the Super Champ XD, which these all had some sort of digital componentry in these things. And um, mm-hmm. I played with, I'm a recording engineer sort of off and on um, by right. by just horsing around and also like recording my own bands and stuff. And like I played with plugins. Um, for a number of years, and I can tell you 100% verbatim that none of those things, none of them, I don't care if it's the Axe Effects, has anything on having an amp that blows your damn pant legs on stage. It, I, it is a I visceral, agree with you. It is a visceral, inspiring feeling. But even I, having gone through the journey that I have gone on and the amount of money I have wasted, and I will say that, wasted with such viscera, I, even I am sitting here thinking, do I buy an Amp 1? Do I buy an Axe Effects right now? Because right. I know that in three weeks' time, you will not be able to get them. That yep. That is what is going to happen. They will not be available. And we're talking yep. not in three months. We're talking six months to a year because there are too many people that are coming out of the pandemic in our country right now saying, I'm playing out this summer and then realizing my amp is sat in the shed and it needs new tubes because either something broke or maybe they just wore them out or, you know, so we had this I, I, as an aside, we had, we had a Facebook listener, also guest of the show, Nick Bonger suggests that, you know, tube amp life is thousands of hours. And that's true. Tubes last thousands of hours. However, function versus peak function are two completely different things. And number yep. uh, number two, that is assuming that that tube is the same quality as the spec sheet. It backs it up. And 99% of the time, that is not the case. Because if you're using a new production tube, you're using a tube built with the, with the dyes used to make those tubes 40 years ago. And those right. dyes were only supposed to last for five years of production. So that tells you they've fallen apart. And if you want to know where I'm getting this information from, it's not I'm not pulling things out of my ass. You can go talk to people like Dr. Z. You can go talk to pe- any of these people. They, they'd love to have a conversation with you about it. Um, and especially now, because they're all, they're going to have plenty of free time. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Thomas Bloog is home going, ah, the money's coming out. <laughs> so so Bloog's screwed too. I've already, I've already spoken with, with Amp One because they said yeah. they can't get any more of the, of the, uh, no, they can't. Now they have a, I, they already have an out and I already know how they would do it. But because um, yeah. I understand how they're using that tube based on our conversations with him. And um, I he's an engineering mind. You will not. I, I, I'm confident you will not see a solid 100 percent solid state version because it basically is no. a solid state amp. And he was very upfront with us on that. The, the, right. amp, the amp one will have probably a new tube in it. That's maybe right. maybe a series of new tubes to replace. Yep. 
the military tube that was in the originals. Will it be the same? I'm thinking probably yes, because ultimately he told us that tube is actually not that important to the unit. It was there to impart a little bit of compression and warm up the sound as it it heads into the Class D amplifier section of the Amp 1. Also used to simulate the push-pull of um, tube amps, transformer, and speaker that goes on in an amplifier circuit that does not go on in your your typical Class D or Class AB transistor solid-state circuit. Yep. So, a lot of technical jargon there. Sorry. Um, But just, they're not the same thing. They don't function the same way, and he's figured out a way to emulate that. So. Interesting. Very interesting information. Um... Let's talk about Marshall and then and then uh, talk about that. Yeah, why don't you take on Marshall for a minute? Because uh, I and, and if you if you want me, I can do it. But um, my comments about Marshall well, are strictly related to tubes. But my well, my comments <laughs> about Marshall is going to be strictly related to this. since the since Jim Marshall has passed away. Marshall is not the same company. Hell no. Um, <laughs> Hell no. And well, actually, you- probably a little bit before that. Um, Marshall has not really innovated. Um, they're not really coming out with anything, you know. Even your, even the amp you use is based right. on a design that was popularized in the early two thousands and late nineties. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. So um, that's and I love this amp. They've they've made minor tweaks to it. The minor tweaks are what I love about it now. But the truth of the matter is, they haven't done anything in twenty years. Yeah, they have, so. Jim. They, well, ju- they the just rele- no. They just released a goddamn jukebox. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And there and was the re- origin. The, the refrigerator. The, yeah, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. What about the cell phone? I know. And the Bluetooth and, speaker. And, Right, that Bluetooth speaker that you got to have. Wait a minute. They haven't made like a guitar amp, an actual dyed-in-the-wool good guitar, a new good guitar amp, other than Origins, which is terrible. Origins, which is really, well, and really Uh, just let's take the old circuit and not do it as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now you said it right. Not do it as well. Yeah, because – they're bad. Uh, I, yes. I you can like them if you want. Uh, I'm gonna tell I, you. I'm gonna tell you no, my opinion. I'm gonna tell our listeners yeah. my opinion. Origin is a waste of space. There's a waste yeah. of retail space. They should get That's a good a, yeah. amp to put in place of Origin because Origin is bad. And I know yeah. people are buying these things. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, you can buy a Supra, right? Like. The Blues King is over there. You, you'd probably rather have that. Or, you know, if you really want a British sounding up, there's the over there in the corner is an orange. I, I know yeah. it's a crush, but it's still better than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is, I think other than what was it? The, the Patriani model, which was a long time ago. The JVM um, was the last was new amp. The, the last good new amp, other than the you know the the DSL and the JVM, and that and really the DSL is the is the working man's. I mean, when I say working man's, you know what I mean, like uh, the everyman's, uh, 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 the poor I, man's. I think that I think the DSL, to be honest with you, was a really good amp when it came out. And I think they got eclipsed a long time ago on that thing. And they brought out so that when they did the redesign, they added the reverb, right? That's the one you mm-hmm. have. They did yeah. tweak the circuit and made it more modern to compete with with Friedman. But it's an inexpensive Friedman now, is what it is. Yeah, it, it really is an inexpensive Friedman. I mean, when you look at it, 
I mean, the only the only reason I do prefer it is that I like the. Uh, I like the fact that it's got, which is a weird re reason to prefer it, but I like the fact that it's got two master volumes, which means I can run a lead channel and a, another channel without actually changing the tone all that much. Right. Now, again, until I get it to that visceral point where I'm pushing the pant legs, I mean, I'm literally feeling the, it doesn't really. No. That's, that's, that's a non-issue. But, but no, so, amp, but no amp sounds good until it's peeling paint. Let's be real. Right. Let's be real for a minute. I mean, I can play my Mark 525 here at the house, but I can, also, in April, I can also scratch my nails on a chalkboard, too. Right. Um, and luckily in April, I'm going to get to turn this bad boy up again. But hopefully I won't blow a tube. Um, <laughs> I will have a Kemper with me. <laughs> the point is, the point is that, um, uh, you know, like you said, this is this is dangerous. And the, and the, um, the scary thing is Marshall isn't like Fender. I mean, and we haven't even talked about Vox or any of the boutiques, but Vox or, or uh, Marshall is like Fender. Marshall does not have. They have the, zero infrastructure right. to, to suddenly pivot and start producing quality. They have a solid state line, the MG line. It has basically yeah. remained unchanged for, for yeah, 30 years. Yeah, the 90s. Um and it's not highly thought of. Okay, it wasn't no. highly thought of back then. Um, nope. So, it, along with what you're saying, Jim, they brought out code, and everybody knows code yeah. was. I, 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 this may very well be the death, the the death knell for Marshall. Um, mm -hmm. The name will always exist. Someone, someone will buy them. Yeah. And yeah. but but, I just. How do you keep producing garbage and products that don't fit your industry? There's only mm -hmm. so many people with disposable income left in the world. If you haven't been paying attention, the middle class is shrinking, whether you like to admit yeah. it or not. And um, I'd like to think that, you know, the middle class didn't necessarily always struggle the way they struggle today. I've spoken to many folks who make middle class income based on the statistics that are assigned to them who are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, yeah. Many of them are musicians, and I I hesitate to think that Marshall is a company that is trying to market products to them, and I see Fender still does. That's why the Squire line is so strong. That's why they still have the Hot Rod and the Blues Junior and the Mustang series and all these different amps that cater to the lower end of the market. They have a very broad strategy. Um but you know the 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 one that I'm like, what is going to happen now? Gibson just acquired Mesa Boogie. Nobody yeah. knows what that deal was. Mesa Boogie was I was thinking about that this profitable afternoon. country a company, and so they paid good money. And now Mesa Boogie's total expertise is in tube engineering. Anything digital, they're farming out to two notes right now, and anything solid state. They're buying ice power and plugging it into their their amplifiers because they're all class D, right? Anything class D, just read ice power. That's what it is. Right. Um, so what happens to Mesa Boogie? Like, are they going to reissue the lab series for Gibson? I mean, I, I honestly, like, I'm just kind of like, I can see, I what can other see. option do they have? 
I can see a lot of these tube companies that were or tube amp companies that were doing this, bringing in those 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 skews. We're going to bring them into a few, and we're only going to put out so many amps a year. We're going to charge this much for them, and we're gonna we're gonna see them become pro level only. It's a lu- it's a luxury pro level item, um, yeah. and I would say if you have a, a, a reasonable high end tube amp. Um, high end being over a thousand bucks. Hang on yep. to it, yep. tube it, play it, play it when you can. Um, I would say keep it in working order, and at some point you're going to be sitting on a car because that's what that stuff's going to start going for. A functional tube amp is going to start being really good money, um, yep. even if it's just for them to cannibalize the tubes out of your amp. The reality is you're sitting on a gold mine. And um, I think that's a very real possibility. Now, of course, we're playing. Look, I fully understand that this may be a total overreaction from people in the community and the industry, but it doesn't look good. This looks this is quite frankly, the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in in the guitar industry um, happen in the entire time I play guitar, which is from like 2000 ish to now. Right. Um, So that's saying a lot i'm you know god i'm dating myself i've played for quite some time now um over 20 years and i'm just i'm kind of in shock like i literally spent the entire day sort of pulling my hair out because i saw last night so my journey through this was friday okay so back up two weeks two months ago I was at a guitar shop, and I think we mentioned on the that maybe the last episode that aired, uh, I was with Mike Mara and uh, Jeff Biazadecki at Good Time Music, and he, Mike actually bought the last box of 6L6 tubes they had, which I was asking, do you guys got any tubes? Cause, and they're like, no, we just gave them the last box. I'm like, shit. Um, now, I have a set, right? But I figured I better get another set, just in case, because I knew, there was yep. this, I knew about Sino. I knew... Mesa was having trouble getting tubes out. Um, so fast forward, I was like, oh, wait, I'll get them when I need them. I was on Sweetwater looking around like maybe I should just wear some tubes one day and I didn't. And then I heard about the Ukrainian invasion. I said, oh, shit. And as soon as that happened, I went, I got to buy tubes now. Um, so I literally went to, I was Reuters on one side of my monitor, uh, very vivid Reuters on one side, Sweetwater on the other. And I'm buying six L sixes, EL 84s. Um, and they're sitting in my, my, I, I pay, well, I didn't pay for them yet, but they're sitting in my order list. As soon as they come, I get paid, you know, I pay for them. Um, and I, uh, now two weeks later, right? We start hearing this news. And I'm like, that's why I ordered them. Cause maybe they're still a boat, you know, maybe they're still on their way over and I will get the, the final remnants of what, um, what comes in. And yep. that, that's still a possibility, but I really, I mean, it, this changes everything. So, so mm-hmm. this is the, 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 the title of the segment is what the hell and I capitalized H for a reason. What the hell do we do now? And I mean, I guess we just continue to nurse our amps that sort of half work as long as we can. We start to wait because because here's the other thing. Unless 
you're comfortable going to an FRFR based solution, flat range, full response for those of you not initiated. Um, there isn't a product for professional musicians built on solid state amplification. There isn't. It just doesn't exist. Okay. Um, closest items are like the Orange Super Crush, which is a hundred watt head that they just or hundred twenty watt head that they just came out with. Um, there is like the Marshall MG stuff where you could get the hundred watt head over there. I, I don't know why you would. Um, <laughs> there's the Katana one hundred. I guess you could do the head right. Katana Artist. Again, these are all sub $500 amplifiers, right? These were never intended to be your primary gigging solution. They were always intended to be either your entry into guitar or your backup, right? And now we're talking about using this stuff as a primary? Um, there's just not enough solid state or hybrid or... Uh, I mean, so you got solid state, high-end stuff. Quilter, Amp 1. Um, which is arguable, right? Because Amp 1 still has a tube in it, um, which is negligible. Um, and I really can't think of much else, right? Even in the preamp pedal world, like if you're going to get preamp pedals and run them into a power amp or something, you're still looking at tubes in the preamps now. I mean, I have one of the few, it, you can't see it in frame, but back up there on my, my shelf, I have the, the Ethos Overdrive, which is like one of the few solid state, high quality thought of preamps. Um, and you could go, or you can go digital, right? So you got HX Stomp and a power amp. You got Helix and a power amp. You've got um, the Axe FX, right? Or FM3, FM9 from Fractal. You got Quad Cortex, which is a half-working platform, or you have uh, you have Kemper, which is built on technology from 2007. Um, I'm I'm like I, I'm so far out of Kemper land now that I'm like, when was it? When did that come out? Uh, I think it was 2007. Um, so like when you stop and you put all that into perspective, is it 2007 or 2013? It's like it's a long time ago. So we're, you know, almost 10 years at this point. Um, so, I mean, we know what you're, what you're going to do, right? Like you'll just continue to use the Kemper and make do until something changes. Cause it, cause yeah. so, so let's talk about positive. What, what could happen, right? Best case scenario. Um, JJ, gets an influx of cash from the orders that they're receiving from third parties and actually doubles the size of their manufacturing facility and becomes the tube manufacturer for the world. Um, that's probably best case scenario. However, uh, there are some reasons why I don't think this is going to happen. Number one is JJ is in Slovakia. And uh, you can read about Slovakia's uh, climate, not not their political climate um, and what's going on there. I don't think uh, they're going to be growing that much. Um, and I think they actually have pretty significant threat from the Soviet Union as well. Um, but Soviet Union, the, the Russian Federation. Um, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Uh, Russian Federation. Um, so that is, uh, that is where I would, think that ends in in reality but 
Uli Berenger is still out there somewhere, and uh, he has ties to China, and he has already rescued bucket brigade chips uh, for use in his own stuff and also to sell to third parties. Uh, Korg is another dark horse in the race because Korg has new tube. They are clearly still interested in maintaining vacuum tube technology to some extent. Uh, it sells products for them, and they have patented items that do similar things. Um, even somebody, and this is going to sound wild and like far-fetched, but even a company like Microsoft might, because they maybe not Microsoft, maybe somebody affiliated with Microsoft. Um, the guy that owns the Experience Music Project is really into music awareness and stuff, and maybe he goes in and rescues us or something like that by starting a tube manufacturing plant in an area of the world that doesn't care about environmental concerns. I hate to say this. I'm going to clean my lens real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, I hate to say this, but uh, there's a possibility that some of the big the the, the um, tube companies, the, the manufacturers of tube amps, to keep their doors open, to stay afloat, keep going they might have to build a conglomerate uh, that they all vc into and then that company becomes their it, you could see that you could see a grassroots I mean, level a a <clears throat> honestly i mean it, it's the one thing that association Fender, where you know they're all a member yeah. and the, the sole responsibility is to manufacture the product they need so that they right. can all have it in a in a country where they don't care about the environment. So, <laughs> because, well, because that's the other thing we haven't talked about is how I was bad just going there. Are. I was just going to go there. So we've all, we've all been looking at this perspective. It's like, what the hell do we do now? Um, okay. The idea that uh, we can't continue to do what we've been doing because it no longer exists. But I'm going to ask a question that I think mm-hmm. we all need to sort of ponder. And that's that right. is, should we? Right. Because... The reason tubes are no longer made in the United States because they're terrible for the environment. I mean, they, they yep. create an, a tremendous amount of waste in the manufacturing process because, right. if it, I mean, you make 20 tubes, two of them are good, you throw the rest in the trash. That's yep. how the manufacturing... Now, today we would recycle them, obviously, but um, recycling tubes well, is not easy. Uh, yeah, and they recycle about, probably the glass. About well, you would recycle the glass. You would recycle the metal and the filament. The metal, and the metal, fil- and the filament. Yep. Which basically, that's but, all a tube is. There's not very much, because it's all heat and stuff inside. There's not really much other than that that they would need to address. But it's still, you've got to sort three, three cycles of waste. Do they do they right. use chemicals? Oh, yeah, they, 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 I forget There's what chemicals, chemicals and it is. gas in there. Yeah, I forget what. Ca- well, it's the gas mostly that would be the yeah. issue because it's uh, not a good gas for the environment, which is where the environmental issues come in. I forget what it no. is. No, um, if you think cow farts are bad, let me tell you something. So, but um, yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is that they're not great for the environment. Wait, and there's gas in a vacuum tube. I believe so. I no, know. I think they use it to in the in the manufacturing process. But I don't I think that I think the tube is actually a vacuum inside with chemical like heating element and all that stuff. I know they use so that it's like the silver area at the top is um 
something they add to the chemical or they add to the inside of the tube to help seal it up and stuff. I watched this whole thing on the manufacturer. You can go watch too. It's interesting stuff. There are actually people that make tubes at home for like old radios and stuff. Uh, that is completely asinine. And that might actually be the way our industry is headed is that some guy in, you know, some European country, you call him up and you're like, I need two 6L6s. And he's like, I'll make you two 6L6s. The charge is $1,000 each. Uh, you will have to wait nine months for me to blow the glass and to give and to quality test them. And you're like, all right, <laughs> that, that, that could be where we're headed because um, the process takes hours if you do it by hand. Um, eight, eight to 12 hours, I think they said. Um, and the failure rate is like 70%. I mean, it, it's just wild that people would ever attempt that. But if you can't find those tubes ever again and you're an electronics guy and you have an old radio or something that you want to get working, your only option um and i think that's what's going to eventually happen to our industry is there's going to be this small cottage industry of people a hundred years from now blowing glass and inserting little metal pieces inside you know so that they can you know continue to enjoy the sound of analog audio um even as a museum piece right um so the other concerns that are that uh, is the behavior of doing business with countries like China and Russia who have little regard for the environment, um, have notable, you know, human rights black marks on their records, uh, and have sort of shady business practice. I mean, we were talking about Mike Matthews allegedly paying off uh, Russian gangsters to leave him alone. Um, is it worth it? Like, are those things worth it in light of what we have available to us as technological options to continue beyond tube amps? And, um, the other question is, is sustainability. I mean, look at your voltage draw from a tube amp. I, I know this is, this is like a really stupid, silly argument because, there's no way in God's green earth that tube amps draw more power than your your car burns gasoline, right? But right. If, if you're drawing power from the wall, it's coming from fossil fuel, okay? And so realistically, uh, if we want to get environmentally conscious and we're going to talk about the production of tubes, we also have to consider that tube amps are tremendous consumers of energy. Whereas something that's class D, Solid state. I mean, they don't use it. They're like Energy Star certified. They don't use nothing. Um, it's peanuts. You, know, you can power them off batteries, um, which is pretty wild considering the amount of output that they that they create. But therein lies the conundrums, right? So we don't stop to consider like we just think, oh, well, the art we make with these is fantastic. And it's a necessary thing for the world. But we never stop to consider the evil quote unquote because um, I'm, I'm being sort of sort of uh, devil's advocate here I also understand that you know in the grand scheme, scheme of things it's kind of a drop in the bucket but we never stop to consider the evil of what we're doing it's just like um, our search for ebony specifically black ebony basically robbed the world of all its ebony forests 
And I mean, there's there's Bob Taylor basically standing between us and destroying the ebony population of the rest of the world. He has literally the last ebony forest under his control. And we've talked about it on the show before. But basically, uh, the reason that tailors always have ugly ebony, like with brown streaks in it, whatever, which I actually think is gorgeous, frankly. But um, a lot of people consider it ugly. The reason why they use the ugly ebony is because they're like, hell no, we, ain't, we are not cutting down ebony trees here unsustainably. Um, I sort of feel like if they are using ga- like gases and stuff in here, it could be like hydrogen or helium, rather helium, where we have a helium shortage. There's only a finite amount of helium on Earth. And, yeah, uh, and, and believe it or not, most helium, most people think that helium goes in balloons. Um, a lot of helium goes to uh, um, medical uh facilities so it gets used more in medical facilities than you might think um i would rather see it used there than than birthday balloons quite frankly well the truth (sighs) of the matter is that whether you're using a tube uh a vacuum tube that has gas or doesn't have gas there's inert gases such as argon helium you know uh uh, neon i think argon i think argon is used in the manufacture of tubes you say that but right but they do have um, stuff in there that's for capacitance, and that capacitance is is uh, so there has to be chemicals in there because that's a capacitor has chemicals in it. So there's right, right, whether right. they are part of the vacuum or in the you know in the base of the tube. No, right, right. There, there's definitely pyode, whatever. Right, but I'm just saying that that like they they, they use the vacuum because uh, otherwise the electrons electrons can't flow freely. That's correct. In That's the correct. in That's the right. in the crystal lattice. <laughs> right. And it, yeah. <laughs> but um rest you in know, peace Dumble, rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. Um but the the fact of the matter is that that um regardless there's a reason that tubes have been being built in countries that don't take their environmental concerns or seriously. Or the health concerns of their employees. The health, that's right. Or the health concerns of their employees. Um, and I'm not saying that we're we're perfect. That's for gosh darn sure. I'm just saying that as much as we do. Well, yeah. Um, but we're so we're so far removed from it at this point that it's almost that, like that's why we, we don't even know, you know. Right. Well, that's that's why, you know, we could talk about the electric car and the, the, the what are the long terms of the batteries that are going to come in and out. Right. We could talk about that. We right. could talk about cell phones and the and the bazillions of batteries that have gone in and out of these things. Yeah, that we pretend we, we pretend like they don't exist and they're they're environmentally friendly, but Every single right. little thing about the fact that I wear a cell phone, a, a watch that that's got a lithium ion battery and and earbuds that, that, that and then I'm I'm using a computer that's got uh, you know these, these lithium all battery it. and yeah so there's I mean we we all have a, a footprint right and, and here's the other thing we don't think about much and this is the other part of things that's gonna this is that wave I was talking about so we've talked about the tubes here's something we haven't talked about is plastic. Right. Oh, plastic. I was just gonna say that's the next, that's the next thing because anything that we make out of plastic, including PA speaker cabinets, is not renewable. What's, that's right. And what has it got in plastic? What is a primary oil. petroleum oil? Petroleum um, oil, folks. And 
Um, now, I'm not a chemist. I know that, that those things have changed over the years. The amount of petroleum that there goes into plastic has changed over the years. Pl- plant-based but, plastics and stuff now, but they're not yeah. widespread, and they're usually very expensive or have drawbacks to structural stability and things like that. So uh, we still continue to use a lot of oil and petroleum. Even as little as these things right here, I, I'm sure have some petroleum products in them. This is going to reach a lot further than we think. And we haven't even talked about, um, and, and we wouldn't because... Um, I would want to talk to someone that's an engineer on the, um, which I can, I can make some phone calls, um, for, uh, transistors and what goes into those and what I mean, because my daughter used to, so I, I worked it for a company that built capacitors. So all we did was build capacitors. We built anything else. Some fun, there's some fun chemicals and capacitors. Let's just say that those chemicals are not good for you. <laughs> and there were, we had dry rooms and clean rooms and all kinds of stuff that went on. <clears throat> These were high um, capacity capacitors. And uh, the the fact is, my daughter worked there and she, she, um, she actually built them. She was one of the people that mixed and created capacitors. And they go in the... Let me tell you something. There's some weird capacitors going to strangest places you would never think about. Your printer, your your um, your laptop, your your the, the battery that's in your laptop, the, the, all the stuff that goes out here. We haven't even touched on any of this stuff, and and the fact is that all these things that we're talking about, everything has a a wave effect a, a, that's going to go out, and we're going to create where where there's a vacuum. Of course, we're talking about tubes. Yeah. Where there's a vacuum, something will fill it. And whatever fills it then becomes the item that becomes desirable. And then because that's desirable, we've moved into the next thing. Now, now of course, Shell talks about, and, and I don't know because I'm not young enough to know if this is real, but Shell is talking about how there's a lot of young people that are just using plugins. They don't have an amp. At all. There are areas I I definitely run into people that are like, you mean you actually use an amplifier? Like, (laughs) okay, boomer. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like my boomer bends are showing or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I actually am a boomer. I'm one of the last boomers. But um, the, uh, um, uh, because of my birth here. Um, Anyway, it's, it's one of those things that, that, uh, Weird, you know, to me is is the the thought of using just a plugin, which I get. If I was just sitting here, I could just plug into my focus right and go. I probably would, but the truth of the matter is, I'd rather just plug into the, you know, the the um, emperor on the floor here, pointing down where you can't see. But um, and or even power up my my PS4 and and play through Rocksmith. I mean. And I've done that. I've powered up the PS4 and played through Rocksmith for a while. I, I just, I'm still finding it hard to get my, to, to grasp that thought that, because I could understand it for this, this application right here in this room, right? In where you're sitting. But I can't grasp it going to a club. But then again, I've got people my age, some of them younger. They can't grasp me taking a camper to a gig. Yeah, I, um, I'll say this. 
I'm going to offer my prediction of what I think is going to happen. I think Jim touched on a very important thing. If you want a modeling device, buy it now. Um, I, I honestly think that's going to be uh, in the next six months to nine months. Anybody who's got a single tube amp that has a repair issue, they're going to need something to get through. And that's where they're going. And they'll probably start at the low end. But some of those guys are and gals are going to be looking at the high end instead because they realize at the time that their thing breaks, I can't be without and I got to get something else. There's a lot of gigging folks that only have one amp um, or maybe an amp and a bad solid state amp is a, is a backup or they rent a backup, which is another thing that I've come across in, in my travels. Um I will say, from my experiences, if you are on the fence about buying something professional level, if you're a professional player, like you're going out and gigging, you know, let's say you're making income from it. And you're like, can I justify buying a Kemper or an Axe FX or a Helix? Yeah, you can. Um, I will say it's a tough sell, especially if you've got a quality amplifier. But... I honestly don't see a way forward for this industry long term, um, given what we know right now. And that could change tomorrow. Um, stay tuned because uh, keep watching all these channels and pay attention to the news and uh, wait for, you know, Mike Matthews to come out and say, hey, something's changed. But but by all means, prepare yourself in case things don't. I don't want to see people... Um, losing gigs, losing potential income because they snoozed and thought this will all blow over. I want to share. I I do want to share this evening before the episode. I was screaming at my PC um, because I I stumbled across a Facebook post and it was a bunch of people in the Line 6 Helix group basically saying that this is all going to blow over that... Uh, there's not really a tube shortage. The prices haven't gone up. I mentioned that earlier in the episode um, at tubeampdepot.com, for example, or tubedepot.com. Sorry. Um, And that, you know, this has happened before. It happened in 1989. And that, of course, that's when, you know, uh, New Sensor was acquired. Um, And that this is just, it's... Everybody's making a big deal out of nothing. I am here to tell you that that is probably bullshit. Um, I I don't think those things are are true. I I get the gut feeling after interacting with my friends online, but also from uh, the news, just seeing what's going on in the world right now. We've just lived through two of the most ridiculous years in human history. The things that we've seen. In the last two years, I don't care what side of the aisle you are on or whatever. We had a worldwide pandemic. We had people that said the worldwide pandemic wasn't actually happening and were dying from it. Okay. We had race riots in the United States again. We had an insurrection. What? Um, And we had... And we now have things like tube shortages, an international war, um, call it what it is. I mean, 
if you think at this point that you're going to look at this tube shortage and go, ah, it's just going to blow over. Where are you from? Did you just beam down from the Starship Enterprise in the 23rd century, not realizing what day it is? Have you looked outside? Everything's different now. Everything is different. I went to a conference for work yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, Sunday. Okay. And we had people on a Zoom call on a 25-foot screen in a room full of about 50 people. And they were interacting as though they were in the room. And this was a thing that would have been unheard of two years ago. Um, the landscape has changed. And we sort of have to accept that we have to change too. Um, and I know guitar players are resistant to it, but it's it's here. Like, it's right in front of us. And if you can't, if you can't accept that, it's a, it's a psychological reaction to the fact that you're not ready for it. And I'm sure that there have been, so like each of the other events I mentioned, and I won't go through them again because they're, they're all politically charged, right? Each of the other events I mentioned, there's a psychological reaction in some part of the community to people going, this isn't real. It's not really happening. Well, I got news for you. It all did. Yeah, there, so I'm going to talk to, before we go too far down that, I'm going to talk to a, a thing that, that is a is a, um, a large-scale um, psychological response that a lot of people have in the face of something that's coming up. So um, when, I, when I was in management, we talked a lot about this, this type of thing. Is that when people, and especially in a larger group, um, and it's kind of like that thing that happens when people get into a riot. They they it, they don't go intending to right, right. cause a riot. It normally happens because one person does something, and then it, and but everybody's on this tipping point, and it's kind of like that when it comes to just not wanting to accept the fact that there's bad news coming. Right, it's exactly and what it is. We. We, we experience this on a personal level, whether we lose a pet or a loved one. Um, we don't want to accept that. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's just so emotionally difficult. It's, it's hard to, to accept on, on any level. And then, um, so when, when all of these people that, that refuse to accept the fact that something huge has, has occurred within the world... There's still that that person that goes, no, it didn't, no, yeah. it didn't, and and or that it won't, person it won't, it won't affect me, right? That person can then convince because these people want to be convinced, they need to be convinced, right? That <coughs> it will not affect them, and so that's what happens, <laughs> right? Right. So, so and it, it happens in a large scale, and and because of social media. It happens even at a larger scale, or an easier scale, because there's there's a good number of people who don't want to accept that fact. Now, coming back to this and getting out of that political environment, we look at this and we go, there's no way that this could affect us. Yeah, it is. At that biggest scale. But get tooths. Go buy some right now. Go, right. And, that, and that's what I was going to say. So when you see people having those kind of conversations, just 
casually remind yourself, go over to Sweetwater, go over to Guitar Center, go over to your local dealer and ask them if you can get a pair of, you know, 6L6s or EL34s um, from a reputable company. Like, just just do it. Go Check it out. See what happens. Um, And you'll know. Like, and they'll tell you, well, we have some in stock, but we usually don't, you know, um, that's, what's going to happen. Like that's, that's, that's where we're sitting right now. So right. whether you want to believe that JJ, cause this is the other thing I saw was that people were saying JJ is going to supply the world now. JJ is two years out on new tubes. When the manufacturers couldn't get stuff from Sino, where do you think they went? They were already buying from New Sensor. They went to JJ. Now you can't get those either. So it's done. This is this That's is right. You're you're talking about a company that was providing a third that then was behind because they were trying to provide even more because of the one that was gone. And then now the other one's gone. And so yeah, that's just not realistic. And how much longer can they hold hold it up? And how much I'm sure they've ramped up. That's the other thing we forget. Okay, production of tubes isn't really that important to most of the world. And and it's certainly not all that important. We we live in this world of our of ours, right? We lived in this little thing. And we forget that tubes are again, we we talked about this at the beginning. Tubes are not being made for everybody. Oh, tubes for everyone. This is not Oprah. Give me a car. Okay, so so we're not gonna get a big, they're not going to go, whoa, we'll ramp up. You know, it, it's going to be like the toilet paper shortage. It's going to catch up when it catches up or never at all. Yeah. And that's because there really never was a toilet paper shortage. No. Folks. They, I'm going to take this to the toilet paper thing because I'm going to talk about, because I have a friend of mine who works on yeah. toilet paper. They had literally okay? warehouses filled with it. And you what? and you were draining them because you just <clears throat> couldn't handle the fact that there was none on the shelf. Right, because toilet paper is much like tubes in, in, in that it's a JIT or just-in-time product. Right. Toilet paper is expensive to keep in bulk. It's too expensive because it takes up too much space for what it's worth. It's very inexpensive to sell. So, therefore, it's truck it in, get it out, truck it in, get it out. It And, it, and it's from the manufacturer all the way out. So, what's happening is the manufacturers were making their toilet paper my friend works on rollers you wouldn't believe they're like the size of a house making toilet paper all day long shoving out them little dinky rolls that we put in our in our bathrooms and here's the thing as they were doing that all of a sudden the the supply we 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 go back to that vacuum thing all of a sudden everything's off the shelves so as it came in they weren't making it any faster they couldn't so it came from a warehouse, came to a truck, came from the truck, came to the local distributor, came, and went out to the to the stores and went off the you know off there. That's as fast as it goes. Toilet paper is just too cheap. It, it's too expensive. There's a great, uh, believe it or not, the the show Cracked. You know, remember the old uh, magazine Cracked? Yeah, yeah. Cracked is still around as a YouTube channel. There's they just released a thing which I thought was hilarious. It's called "If Toilet Paper Told the Truth" or "If Toilet Paper Was Honest." Something like that, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll see what what um, sort of stuff. But the the um, they they obviously are going for the comic comedic route. But my friend was working <coughs> on those machines. Those machines weren't putting out any more or less. I just finally caught up. 
the question will be, can, can tube manufacturing catch up? No, unless we get more tube manufacturers. Unless, unless so, somebody goes and does the unthinkable and decides to build something right. that has been basically dead since the right. 1970s. For decades. Exactly right. And, and it's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely. I, you know, we That's did. We, we talked about it when Sino initially kind of closed up operations, and I yeah. really did think that somebody it. was going to come in and purchase Sino Shiguang. Yeah. Didn't happen. I really, yeah. I really, honestly, and then I had been told by somebody that there was tubes coming out of China again, and they. But what I didn't realize is they were hi-fi tubes. And yeah, a lot of people should have been waiting patiently for the hi-fi tube company to switch production arms over to um, right. audio the tubes. But tubes yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, actually, I will say this, though. So, like, if um, it is kind of funny, the people that buy hi-fi audio equipment, usually they're kind of, like, environmentally focused and stuff. But you're buying tube amps. It's <laughs> like, what? Um, I, it just it never occurred to me. Because like I like everybody else, our listeners, I'm not I'm not infallible. Jim's not infallible. I had never really thought about the environmental impact of tubes until now. And for me, this is kind of an awakening. And I consider myself somewhat of an environmentalist. So um, I try to do the right thing when I'm when when possible and it's <laughs> and reasonable. Um, yep. And. This is kind of a wake up call to me. Like, do I I'll I'll run my tubes a little longer to make sure that I get my use out of them before I throw them in garbage. Um, In fact, I've never thrown away a set of tubes unless they're broken. Like if they're non-functional because they melted down or something, then, yeah, they go in the garbage. But uh, or get recycled, actually. But um, in the case of my regular tubes, like I run them basically uh, for a year and I swap them out and I keep them in a box because never know, you know, uh, yep. I'd always thought that. And like, I'm kind of like, I'm glad I did that, but I know this is not sustainable and I know I need to get on the bandwagon with some sort of product that I can grow with and continue to yep. get replacements for. Um, I sort of understand that, um, as much as I don't want to go back to, to Kemper's and, uh, helixes and stuff. I'm taking a really hard look at the Axe effects right now because I'm like, yep. it's it's the only one I haven't had, and quite frankly, they've all done the job well enough. Um, yeah. But can I live with it? You know, yeah. Right. I, ha- I do. I have a choice. I'm still going right. to play guitar. I want to play guitar regardless, and so that's right. going to be the drive forward. But it's yep. like, wow, this is just not what I expected to be doing right now. Yep. So, yep. Well, I think uh, that kind of brings it to a close. Well, let, so yeah, so let's let's do a gig report. If you got if you got gig information to share, I um, mean, we can keep sure. it co- short and light, and then we'll and then we'll get out yep. of here. All right. So what do you what do you um, got, what do you got? So since the last time we talked, because it's been a little while, um, I had a gig, uh, and it was so um, it was kind of fun. I'll be real quick. Um, it was a small place. When I say small, I'm talking practically standing on each other's uh, uh, heads to be in there. Was your Kemper too big for the floor? 
my Kemper was literally too big for the floor. I had to put, I took my Blues Junior and had it behind me. Um, and uh, we did a Thursday night. Let me, let me just say, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I'll, I'll, I'll say two important things about the gig and then we'll just go from there. Number one, I never expected a Thursday night to be packed all the way to close at 1230 in the, in the, in the morning. That's post pandemic, my friend. <laughs> I was I was like, wow, ready for business. <laughs> we we had people packed in that place till 1230 a.m. Um, that was number one. It was really small. Number two, I got to give credit where credit is due. The band, um, you know, really shined. Uh, me and the other guitar player, we had our amps like literally right side by side and found sonic space to be able to, you know, okay, where's mine and where's his, um, and be able to, to make that happen. And the crowd was very appreciative. Usually if I have to go into a little place like that, I'd say, I don't care. It's not worth it, but I loved it. We have an upcoming gig in, we have three upcoming gigs in April. Um, and two of them are in, uh, down by Kitty Hawk. So we're going to be down in uh, the, the that strip of North Carolina that kind of you never want to be during uh, hurricane season. Um, but we're going to be out there in April. And I'm really looking forward to that because it's bike week and I'm going to I'm going to bring the marshal and I'm going to turn that bad boy up and I'm going to let her ring. I might even go stereo and go marshal tone master and just push some air i i'm in dire need of of some real freaking volume so that's that's what's going on there um so that's your that's your gig report you don't have anything else sure all right i did a i did an open jam last week it was fun i took my oh yeah actually i do have some stuff i was gonna say i don't really have much to talk about but i took my mark five out actually to open Mm -hmm. jam and um i ran that with my little pedal board which had my uh my king of tone on it uh, mm-hmm. My JHS Unicorn and yep. the uh, Delay Llama XL, and I actually ran four cable. So I like, I went all out. I got head and cap. Uh, you know, I got my yep. pedal board. I've got you know to to a jam right. Um, right. And, and so two things, uh, two things happened that were kind of funny. Number one, uh, I realized I forgot a cable, so I ended up using my wireless, which actually worked out really well. Um, cause normally I bring cables just because I don't want any situations and right, uh, right. I realized, yeah. Oh shit, you got three cables, but you need four. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I tried to pack as extremely light as I could, uh, at least cable wise. And then, so like, um, after I got done, uh, host Sam Wyatt comes up to me and says, um, he says, Hey, this gentleman here needs to use your amplifier. And I look on stage. There's a guy with a 12 string acoustic. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding? I'm like, do, you, do you realize that my amplifier is like a high gain, like, it's a beast, right? And it's not made for that. And I think the, the gentleman that wanted to use it had looked at it and goes, well, it's, it's, wicker, cane, it's wicker grill. Like, that looks, yeah. like an, that looks like an acoustic amplifier. No. So... Um, they didn't have an extra DI box. I was told that. So I said, fine. So I get up on stage. This Joker has his preamp gain on his guitar turned all the way up when we plug in. So first thing, if you it, it, look, 
not everybody knows this, so it's worth sharing this information. If you if you're gonna do the acoustic open jam thing and you get a preamp on your guitar because you're running uh, pickups, turn your volume down when you plug in, um, just because it's gonna feedback. I don't. Re- I actually didn't care so much um, in my situation because my amp it's gonna clip. It's gonna yeah. the amp's gonna clip before the speaker blows. Um, yeah, I got blows. But but in but in a like in a hi fi or not hi fi but like a like a full range situation yeah that could be bad, real bad. So um, I plug him in, and it just wildly feeds back. So I grab the master and turn it down, put it on standby, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, turn your preamp gain ha- down halfway. I'm like, just put it halfway. So I slowly bring the master up, and I'm sitting there and I'm taking the tone controls. I mean, this sounds sounds like garbage through my amp put it on uh skinny clean and um just kind of get them as flat as i can make it put the eq basically flat and then play with the mid-range a bit to get him sounding okay and Mm -hmm. of course sam white he's the uh the host and he's also the sound guy turn around he's like sounds good i'm like i don't know what you're listening to but i'm like you know what It is what it is. So I just uh, I climbed off the stage and uh, watched the debacle ensue um, because yeah. uh, it did not sound good. And he, he was like barely audible um, because it's not designed to do that. And right. uh, I, I've seen other acoustic players who will plug into an electric guitar amp. And I'm like, really? Like you can't you can't bring a twenty dollar Behringer DI with you. I know, you know, right? It's it. As far as I'm concerned, it's necessary kit if you're playing acoustic guitar to have some sort of DI. Cheap. Yep. Buy the cheapest piece of shit. I, I had a friend growing up. His dad always said, "Buy the cheapest piece of shit." Um, that's what he used to say. Buy the cheapest piece of shit you can get and take it to the to the jam so that you at least have something if they don't have a DI. Um, yep. And uh, he used to go to he used to go buy cars, and he would go up to the car dealer and he go, "I want the cheapest piece of shit you have." <laughs> I might have actually told that story on the show before, but that's probably a long time ago. But anyway, um, so that was the the open jam. I do want to take this opportunity to plug two of my friends' bands. Um, uh, so on Friday. They will be performing at Pollyanna, uh, Pollyanna Music, out in uh, St. Charles um, as uh, Bronson Rock, Bronson Rock Trio. I'm going to be nice because I know that it's a trio now, and they are branded as the Bronson Rock Trio, even though it used to be Bronson Rock Quartet. Um, So Bronson Rock Trio will be there. They're going to be opening up for um, Sam Wyatt, the host band, uh, Covington Groove. Both of those bands are really good. If you're a fan of the show, you live in the Chicago area, you got nothing going on Friday, come out and see them. I'm going to be there. Um, probably going to be doing work while I'm there, too. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, come out, enjoy the excellent show. Last time I saw Covington Groove, they just they just brought that place down. They were opening for Mark Letary, actually. And it was, uh, it was I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to see these guys again. So, um, and of course I've seen Bronson Rock a dozen times at this point, um, and they're always good. So, uh, sure. Promoting other people, right? And then I actually wanted to share just a bit of news before we end the show. I am, um, in the midst of recording an EP with a new project. 
And um, that's why the show's been late. I am literally struggling to keep up with that and work right now. We are down. We lost six employees in one month in a company of what is now 17 people. Um, And so now we are just struggling to keep up. So my days are just, I'm running all day long. Um, And I am behind in literally everything I'm doing. Work, personal, podcast, um, cause this is a labor of love, but it is, I do have, I put this as a separate position than my personal life. Um, and I just, I cannot get enough time to edit episodes. So this episode is going to come out before we've got two, at least two in the pipe. One of them is an interview with Dylan talks yep. tone, which I'm really excited to share with you guys. That was done uh, about three weeks ago. And then, yep. uh, another episode, we have another episode that was uh, done two weeks prior to this one that will actually come out after this one. Um, Please stay tuned. I hope they come out soon. This will go up tomorrow. I'm not even going to put the bumpers on this episode. We're just going to post no, it. No, we're just... Um, and, uh, and in fact, I'll do that for the audio version too. Uh, the mm-hmm. bumpers will return. I promise. It's yep. just, uh, I want to make sure this gets out and I don't want to have it wait. And I want to make sure that we don't right. have an episode gap. So, yep. um, all right. All right. I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been Practical Guitarists. We have.